0: Well, welcome all to our final spring ni- uh, 2013 colloquia presentation. Today is Tuesday, April 30. My name is Dr. Anthony Bernier and I am pinch hitting today for our regular colloquial host, Dr. Bill Fisher, and I'm going to be introducing our, our guest speaker today, uh, Dr. Tefko Sarasevic. and uh, we will have a uh, presentation by Dr. Sarasevic and then At the end of the presentation, we will um, open the mics up for questions and answers. If you would like to uh, post comments or questions in the chat room in the lower left-hand corner of the Blackboard Collaborate screen, please feel free to do that throughout the presentation and we will go back and scroll through that uh, at the end of the presentation and or we will take live mic questions at the end as well. So I would like to formally, uh, it is my pleasure and delight today to uh, welcome Dr. Tefko Sarasavec to our spring presentation. Um, Dr. Sarasavec is Professor Emeritus at the School of Communication and Information at Rutgers University where he served as Associate Dean between 2003 and 2006. His his, uh, published scholarship ranges widely on a variety of LIS topics and they include testing and evaluation of information retrieval systems and digital libraries, notions of relevance in information science, human aspects in human computer interaction in information retrieval, user and use studies in information science and librarianship, user derived value of information and library services, search engine web queries and various other aspects of digital libraries and information services. Dr. Sarasavik has taught, lectured, consulted, and presented papers at meetings in 48 different countries, including serving as keynote speaker at over a dozen international conferences. He has served as president of the American Society for Information Science, and he received the Society's highest award of merit, among other top awards. TEFCO's publications are also very well regarded. He ranked first in citations to his work among thousands of authors in articles published in the Journal of American Society for Information Science and Technology. Between 1985 and 2008, he served as editor-in-chief of the International Information Processing and Management. And he remains active in his emeritus status, teaching online courses, writing, participating, and even organizing international conferences. So, today it gives me uh, great pleasure on behalf of the Swiss faculty to welcome uh, Dr. Tefko
1: Zercevic. Thank you very much, Anthony. I appreciate uh, the introduction and I also appreciate the invitation. At the moment, I have, as you can all see, uh, my Lepka's hat on. Let me take it off. And uh, soon we will uh, start with the uh, presentation itself. So the topic is relevance in information science, Uh, you have uh, under my name, you have uh, my email if you want to contact me and then uh, you have the uh, URL for the uh, place where you can find the articles, actually don't copy that URL. Just go to Google and put my first name in, TEFKO, T-E-F-K-O, and the first thing that comes up is uh, my own own, uh, site and then just go to articles. Anyhow, what we have is that a fundamental concept that relevance is a fundamental concept or a fundamental notion in information science now every scholarly field uh every uh every uh discipline has a fundamental or basic notion or concept or idea or a few i think of physics uh, the basic notion there is the uh Energy and matter, uh, jurisprudence, justice, uh, biology, life, and so on. And these are the hardest uh, to deal with. Here, I I pulled from someplace uh, a picture where it shows that uh, eyeglasses are certainly relevant to uh, to wearing it, relevant to the sun. We have two large questions that we are going to address in this uh, presentation. The first question is why? And that question is why did relevance become a central notion of information science? The second question is what? And uh, there has been considerable amount of research done on uh, on relevance. So what did we learn about relevance to research and information science? By the way. If you download my uh, slide, then the URLs for all the things that I have in the, in the slides and the references are in the notes so you can access them after the downloads. What we are going to have after these two large questions, which is part one and part two, it's uh, four introductory slides basically dealing with definitions. I took this from online Merriam-Webster and the definition of relevance and and Merriam-Webster defines relevance as a relation to the matter at hand. The emphasis, I added the emphasis of matter at hand because in the next slide we'll be talking about it. It also defines as practical and especially social applicability. For instance, it gives uh, an example of pertinence giving relevance to college courses and we all who are professors are trying to give relevance to our college courses. The second definition is dear to our hearts in our field is uh, the ability. Relevance is the ability as of an information retrieval system to retrieve material that satisfies the needs of the users. So what do we mean by? matter at hand, it's basically, it is, it's a context in relation to which the question is asked, it's a context in relation to an information need is expressed as a query, it's a context in relation to a problem is addressed. So there is no such thing, there is no such thing at all as relevance without a context. I'm using one axiom which says one cannot, not have a context and information interaction. I took that from an article, uh, several articles uh, from Paul Wachlerick who uh, did a number of articles about axiom communication. and his first axiom is one cannot not communicate and one of the critics said that uh, this is lousy grammar but impeccable logic and one cannot not have a context and information interaction is lousy grammar and impeccable logic. So relevance is always, always, always contextual, and that kind of defines why uh, it's important to uh, deal with relevance. Let me go to another issue, and this is the issue of uh, a number of terms that are being used as synonyms or neosynonyms synonyms for relevance. So uh, by any other name relevance remains relevant. So we have many names that connote relevance such as pertinent, useful, applicable, significant, germane, and so on. Nowadays even truthful. The connotations for each of these may differ but the concept is still relevance. And here is what uh, good old Shakespeare said in Romeo and Juliet. Are uh, those by any other name would still would smell as sweet, relevance by any other name will be irrelevance. And this is the last slide before we go to the questions, questions and I would like to point out that in information science in general there are two words. There's one word which we will call a system word, it's where the Information retrieval systems often answer their version of what may be relevant and they use ever improving algorithms to do that. But on the other hand, you, me, people, humans, go their way and assess relevance of what is provided in relation to their problems at hand, in relation to their own context and criteria. These two worlds, the system world and the human world interact. Of course they interact all the time uh particularly you think of, of, of uh, any questions with search engines, they interact and how. But what I'm covering in this in this article in this presentation is the people, the human world of relevance. I'm not covering how information retrieval deals with relevance and there are thousands upon thousands of articles with that particular issue. So let's go to the first question. Why relevance, why did relevance emerge as a central notion in information science. We'll start with a bit of history. Vannevar Bush wrote an article in September issue of Atlantic Monthly in 1945. And the article title is is As We May Think. And if you download this uh, presentation, click on Vannevar Bush, we will get get a, a description of him, and, and if you click as as we may think you will get the article itself. Well, it became a very very influential article that is being cited to this particular to this particular day why well uh, one has to consider who Vanderbilt Bush does. Was. He was uh, a uh, (laughs) professor at MIT, an inventor, but most importantly, he was the head of the United States scientific effort during the Second World War, the scientific effort that uh, produced the atomic bomb, that perfected radar, that did wonders with lasers and so on. So when a person like Vannevar Bush uh, who had a lot to do with the successes of the U.S. science, uh, when he writes people listen, so he did two things. As a good engineer, he, uh, uh, he is, he defined the problem as the massive task of making more accessible of a bewildering store of knowledge. And the problem of that massive task of uh, more accessible of a bewildering store of knowledge is still with us and it's growing. But he did the second thing, he suggested a solution, a technological fix to the problems. He suggested an imaginary machine called Memex, he called it Memex, uh, which is, uh, will deal with association of ideas, uh, will duplicate mental processes artificially. Remember this was written in 1945? And uh, they, uh, he has already uh, ideas about artificial intelligence and and, uh, a few years later, Calum was a uh, physicist and mathematician also from MIT has in an article called Zappa Coding has uh, coined the term information retrieval, and he defined what information retrieval is also. He said that information retrieval embraces the intellectual aspects of the description of information and the specification for search and also whatever systems, techniques or machines that are employed to carry out the operation, to provide, information useful to users. Uh, it's interesting before Calvin the information retrieval as a term did not exist. So he, he coined it and he defined it. Uh, also it's interesting that uh, Calvin Morris was a son-in-law of Watson Davis and Watson Davis was the founder in 1937 of the American Documentation Institute, who today is Association for Information Science and Technology. Okay, I'm advancing again. So what we have in information retrieval that the emphasis was not only an on organization of information as it was for centuries in, 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 in libraries, but it was even more and searching. Why was that? Uh, In information table, the emphasis was not only on organization of information as it was done always uh, in in, uh, librarianship for instance in many other disciplines, but even more on searching. And why? Because the technology of the day uh, when it was developed and later on especially computers was extremely suitable for searching. In the beginning of information retrieval, information organization was done by people and searching was done by machine. Nowadays, we have information organization mostly done by machines. Google does all of it by machines. Yahoo does some of it by machines, some of them by humans as well. And then searching is not almost exclusively, it's exclusively uh, by machines. I'm changing to slide. 12. In this relation I would like to mention two important pioneers that have been uh, instrumental in uh, doing a lot of things in the application of, of uh, technology particularly computers. One is Hans-Peter Lund a Viennese who immigrated to the United States around just before the Second World War, worked uh, his life uh, at IBM, had many, many patents sent at IBM and uh, he is the first uh, who described searching in a way uh, to using van diagrams. He wrote many other articles that have been significant. He was the first one to apply automatic indexing and even automatic uh, creation of abstracts. So he was an inventor, a scientist that has seen the potential of technology and what Searching was What important for Hans-Peter Loon was not only creating of, 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 of uh, information representations but also for searching. He died in 19, 19, 1964 while he was the president of the then American Documentation Institute, now Association for Information Science and Technology. Mortimer Taube also died very young at 55. He was an entrepreneur, he started uh, a a company which he called Documentation Inc. And he pioneered coordinate indexing, indexing that coordinates uh, the uh, searching and he was the first to describe Boolean algebra. So what we have is it's uh, that many of the information retrieval uh, techniques have been developed on one hand by a large and humongous company that in, that that uh, that put a lot of money in information tables such as IBM and then by a smaller company such as Documentation Inc. Uh, that pioneered uh, new ways of doing things and uh, were out really to make money and why not. I advance to uh, slide number thirteen. <coughs> So, searching became a key component of information material. So we have, as started with Loon and with, uh, with uh, Toby, we have extensive theoretical and practical concern with searching. And technology of the day and then uh, later uh, computers in particular were uniquely su- suitable for searching. Before the computers, there have been a number of technologies that have been used, such as edge notch punch cards, uh, peekaboo systems, uh, unitern cards, and so on. So, what is searching all about? Searching is about retrieval of relevant answers. Thus. Because of concern with searching, relevance emerged as a key notion. I am on slide 14 now. The aboutness, to make a comparison, somebody changed the slide. Okay, uh, is a key notion for bibliographic classification, for subject headings, for indexing languages, and it aboutness has been used in organizing information records for centuries. So. What we have is that a choice of a given classification code in in Dewey's code or of Congress code, a choice of subject heading of an index term denotes what the document or a part is all about. The searching in organization of information is is assumed but not addressed. It is really given and taken for granted. And let me explain this a little bit taken for granted with a little bit of history. Charles Amy Cutter was uh, a leading American librarian in uh, the 19th century, died in 1903, but in 1876 he published a uh, very famous book, Rules for Dictionary Catalog. And another edition was issued a year after he died in 1904. And what he did there is, among others, defined objects. And by objects he meant objectives of a catalog. And here is a quote, to enable a person to find what the library has, a given item, to show what the library has, to assist in choices. A hundred and twenty years later, IFLA, International Federation of Library Associations uh, and Institutions, have defined FRBR, another edition came out in 2009 and FRBR, I always break my tongue when saying it, stands for Functional Requirements for Bibliographic Records and they defined the four generic user tasks in relation to the elemental uses that are made of the data by the users and the four tasks are find, identify, select and obtain. So uh, 120 years later they basically said uh, the same thing that uh, Charles Amy Cutter said in uh, 1876. So what we have here is uh, a concern with aboutness which is a fundamental notion that is related to organization of information. And that fundamental notion relates to a subject in a broader sense it relates to epistemology. While relevance is a fundamental notion that is related to searching for information and it relates to problem at hand and context (coughs) and in a broader sense to pragmatism. So. Relevance emerged as a central notion in information science because of practical and theoretical concerns researching. So let's now go to the second part and I'm advancing to slide 17 and in the meantime I'm drinking some iced tea. And if the audience has something to sip, please go ahead. Well what happened already in, in, in the 1950s that when a number of information retrieval systems have developed, it happened the same thing like that happens with, with, with any system development and that is basically that uh, from the outset the people who develop the system claim my system is better than your system. Well, which one is better and the answer is let's test it. Let's not forget that the people who uh, develop information retrieval systems have been by and large scientists and engineers and it was the second nature for them to test it. But they have two questions. What criterion should we use for testing and then what measures should we use based on a criterion? For instance, time is criterion, hour, second is a measure. By the end of 1950s, things got settled on those two questions, criteria and measures and they are the same 50, 60 years later, now that we are in 2013. So I'm advancing to the next one, which is slide 19. What happened is there's that Relevance got closely connected with information retrieval testing. In, in 1955, Alan Kent and James W. Perry were the first to propose two measures to test of information retrieval system at that time, both of them by the way were chemists, and at that time they were at Center for Documentation and Communication Research at Western Reserve University. And the measures that they proposed was, one was relevance and because of, of the confusion, later on relevance was renamed precision and the second one is recall. In the next slide I'll define it. So what they proposed is a scientific and engineering approach to testing and, and, and as, as I mentioned, this is not surprising because they were engineers. Here are definitions, so relevance is the criterion but the definition of the measures is the precision is probability that that what is retrieved is relevant, conversely how much junk. So if I say that my precision is 70% that means that 70% of stuff I retrieved is relevant and 30% is junk. Recall is probability that that's what is relevant in a file is retrieved. I have a large file, let's say MEDLINE or whatever it is and I ask a question and I retrieve uh, 3% or 30% but I miss 70% of what's in the file. So uh, my recall is 30% and uh, I missed 70% of relevant stuff. So there is a probability, both of these measures are a probability of agreement between what the system retrieved or in terms of recall not retrieved as relevant which we call now systems relevance and what the user assessed as relevance, we call user relevance where user relevance is the gold standard for comparison. To this day we're using these two measures and variations on the theme and to this day User relevance is a gold standard for comparison. Let us recall, I'm advancing to slide number 21, this is uh, a bit funny and, and uh, but really confirms the law of unintended consequences where relevance can be really uh, up as, as a problem. In uh, mid-1950s, uh, they have been competing information retrieval system. One of them were by Armed Services Technical Information Agency and the other one was uh, coordinate indexing which used unit terms, which are basically uh, keywords developed by Documentation Inc and I mentioned Mortimer Taube as a founder. So they were competing for money and the question came, you know, is are the subject better or the unit better? So they agreed to a test. So what they did is uh, each group indexed 15,000 documents and uh, they had common questions, 98 question search, however, and this is extremely important however, relevance was judged by each group separately. So the result, the first group had, 2,000 found that of the stuff that they retrieved for 98 questions, 2,200 were relevant. And the second group found that uh, 1,998 was relevant, but the agreement between the two was quite low. Then they had peace talks. They sat together and even after these talks, the agreement came to about 30.9%. So the test. The first test of information retrieval collapsed not because of the test itself, because of disagreement and relevance judgments. So what the people who do testing of information retrieval used It's this, never ever use more than a single judge per query. And since, since that day, to this day, information retrieval tests don't use any more than a single judge or or, or a replacement for a judge, whoever may be, for the query. I'm going to slide uh, 1922. The most famous test in information retrieval have been done, um, somebody has changed the slide to 14, let's go to 22. Uh, Okay, more, more, more. Okay, here we are. Don't change it anymore. I was not changing that. Randy or somebody else was changing. Anyhow. Cranfield tests lasted for about uh, 10 years uh, from 1957 to 67 and they are named Cranfield because they have been done at Cranfield Institute of Technology in England and Cranfield Institute of Technology was famous because it has been instrumental in developing of Spitfire uh, which played a critical role in battle for Britain in the Second World War. Anyhow. It was funded by uh, NSF and that's another very interesting historical uh, way how it came about. But I'm going to skip that history. What Cleverdon and his group did that they did control testing. They involved different uh, indexing languages, however they used the same documents and they used the same relevant judgment, remember one judge per query. They have used a non-interactive information retrieval model which we call today the traditional model. And many results that, that, that Clever came up with were quite surprising uh, and people for years, people refused to believe. One of the results was that simple keywords had and I put him high ranks and many counts and here we have subject headings and complicated classification schemes and so on and now we have simple keywords and that, that were as good as anything else. And remember that these simple keywords were critical to show that computer methods, simple keywords, that's what the computers did, were as good as anything else. So Providence and his group developed something that is called the Cranfield Methodology for Testing. Remember that was done in uh, between 57 and 67 and this is still used today in, in Text Retrieval Conference which is a large uh, text conference every year which started in 1992 and, and it went still, is going still strong to this year, day. I'm going to the next slide, slide 23. And here is something that is known as clever than law. Generally there is a trade off. If you look at the left side of the slide up there, precision at nine, you can have high precision but at the price, low recall. If you look at the right side, you can have high recall but at the price, low precision. So, recall can be increased by retrieving more, but at that time precision decreases. And this is a graph that was done uh, at one of the TREC text retrieval conference tests. And precision can be increased by being more specific, but then recall decreases. Some users. Want high precision, for instance, uh, students that have uh, on uh, Mondays a paper due on Sunday doing the search, they really want the high precision. Give me one or two that are, that are relevant, forget the rest. And patent searches, they really want uh, high recall. They are my, my sure, they want to be sure not to miss anything else. I'm going to the next slide, and 24 the first experiments on relevance have been reported in 1960 and 61 by an IBM group, and it's not surprising that it was an IBM group. Remember that Hans Peter Loon was there, and the first article ever that came out uh, was the article entitled uh, Re Evaluation of Machine Generated Abstracts. And it came out in, uh, in in the volume two of Human Factors, which now it's in 50th or whatever volume and it's world leading uh, journal in Human Factors. Uh, the second article comparison of four types of lexical indicators of content came out in American documentation and the third article relative effectiveness of document titles and abstracts for determining relevance of document came out in science magazine and science being one of the the most uh, important uh, and and the most cited uh, magazine science journals in the world. uh, This article brought a lot of attention to the issue of relevance. I estimate going through extensive literature searches that over the years there were about 300 or so experiments done with relevance. There have been very little funding of, uh, for relevance by uh, US agencies, there were really only two large projects funded and they were done in uh, 1967, one at System Development Corporation and one at uh, Western Missouri University. It's interesting that uh, three of the four principal investigators in those two projects were psychologists and they brought in psychological methods which are followed in many respects to this day into relevance Research a variety of of throughout the years uh, in those 300 experiments and so so a large variety of uh, factors and variables have been addressed. Now let's go back to the and now I'm on slide 25. Together we have uh, 30 uh, 30 slides of of text. Anyhow, Prampton methodology, and I mentioned what it is, has the following assumptions about relevance. One of them is that relevance is static. That's what the traditional IR model is. And further that relevance is topical, it means that relevance is only aboutness, no other factors enters in. Relevance is binary, either relevant or not relevant. Relevance is independent, that means if you judge relevant uh, one article, five articles later, you judge independent, uh, relevance is stable, it doesn't change over time, relevance is consistent, people are consistent in their judgment of relevance and relevance is complete. So if, if you pull from various sources, nothing is left. These These assumptions have inspired endless, well endless, a number of relevant experiments on every one of them and the main finding from all these experiments, none of these assumptions holds but science always deals with simplified assumptions and these simplified assumptions enabled the rich IR test and many improvements. Okay, we are now on slide 26, my slide 26, so let, let's address some of these uh, questions, so on The first assumption was uh, do relevant inferences and criteria change over time? After a number of experiments they certainly do and here are generic results from all the experiments if we take for a given task. User inferences are very much dependent on the stage of the task. At the beginning of the task, when you for instance a scientist or a group of scientists do the proposal, what is relevant is very different than when they're in the middle and then when they are in the end and uh, by the way that was a finding of one of the studies uh, that I mentioned, the two studies that have been uh, supported. So what we have is that different stages of a task, there are different selections of items to be relevant, but there are different stages. Also, we have very similar criteria, but we assign different weights to each of the criteria, thus different selections. The more we increase the focus, we have of uh, any task, we have increased discrimination and more stringent uh, relevance judgments. So what it was shown that information retrieval in general and relevance in particular, relevance inferences in particular are a highly dynamic process. I am now on slide 27. Uh, Remember we had six uh, assumptions, topical and here are three and the next slides will have another three. It is uh, first assumption that relevance is topical, yes. Topicality is very important but it doesn't play an exclusive role. We have uh, cognitive uh, factors, variables that play a role such as user background. We have situational uh, variables such as tax complexity. We have affective variables such as intent and motivation of the users. Are relevance? Judgment binary, yes or no, relevant, not relevant, no. The relevance do not judge only binary, but they judge on the continuum and they compare. However, a number, a few of, of, of experiments have showed that relevance is actually bimodal. There is a bunch of, of uh, relevance um, judgments that uh, come on the one end relevant and another at the other end not relevant with uh, smaller peaks in the middle range. Is the order of, of, uh, is a relevant judgment independent documents? Well the order in which documents are presented to users seem to have a considerable amount of effect so it doesn't matter, it does matter if you present Documents in one way or the other way and that's something that uh, Google is struggling for ever and ever ever because they have found out as as many other studies is that overwhelming majority of users don't go beyond the first page. So near the beginning it seems the documents that are presented early have a much higher probability of being inferred as relevant. Let's go to the second three. Uh, Variables, and I'm now on slide 28, are relevant stable over time? They're not completely stable. They change over time as task progresses and as people learn and learning advances. However, criteria for judging relevance are fairly stable. Time relevant judgment changes, criteria stay. Okay, let's have some more ice tea. Consistent expertise, we have this finding that uh, the higher expertise we have a higher agreement and less differences, the lower the expertise, (laughs) everything becomes relevant more leniency. The most prominent feature in all the tests is individual differences. It is. most prominent factor in relevance inferences. Experts agree to up to 80% of what's relevant, others agree around 30%. Remember, the first test they agreed something like 30.9%. Well, the more judges we have, the less agreement and that's the first test, show that clearly. If we do pooling of, of, of uh, different search methods or different uh, files, is it complete no uh, with wall pools or increased sampling more relevant objects are found so the, that's never ending. I'm going to slide twenty nine and here are a bunch of other experiments and I uh, selected in this and the next slide two types of experiments uh, uh, one of the I, one of the stuff, one of the variables that is being uh, addressed is what clues, and what basis, and what basis, and what criteria the users make, on what basis the users make at for relevance judgments. Oh boy, did I talk too full this. Anyhow, so this brought along along so-called clues research. So, what are the criteria for content? Well, what's the topic? Uh, topic, but also what's the quality, what's the depth, what's the scope, what's the currency, what's the treatment, what's the clarity. Now think, you, think how do you do relevant judgment when you write a paper. All of these criteria enter. And then the object, the document or, or picture or whatever it is. What's the characteristic of that object, for instance, that plays a role, what's the type, how they are organized, what representations that they have, in what format they are, how available they are, how accessible they are and what cost they have. Validity, and this is a big deal today, what's the accuracy of the information provided? Authority, trustworthiness, trustworthiness of sources, can we verify it, so these are these are criteria that users make in judging uh, various clues. The next slide is my slide 30. On what basis and criteria do users make relevant judgments to match their context? So basically we have agreed that the experiment showed us four kinds of matches. We have a use or situational match and the users asking a questions uh, of the documents, you know, what is appropriateness to my situation or my task? What's the usability? What's the urgency? What's the value in use? Then we have the cognitive mask, you know, how does it fit to your noodle? And that's, you know, how is the object? How do I understand it? Novelty, novelty for me, what mental effort do I have to uh, use? Then we have effective mask. Uh, Effective match uh, and emotional responses to information. Is it fun? Is it frustrated? Is it uncertainty that we have in those objects? And then we have belief match which is uh, personal credence that we give uh, to uh, information and confidence that we have. So we have a large number of uh, criteria that has been investigated in these 300 plus experiments and as to matching, as to clues and as to assumptions that are made for uh, uh, information retrieval test. So I am now on slide 31. (coughs) What is one of the major, no not one. It is the major general finding and conclusion from the relevance experiments and that is that relevance is measurable, we can study it, we can derive conclusions, we can see variables that affect it, we can on the basis of that we try to build uh, information retrieval systems that, that are better answers and so on. I don't have a slide here but, but uh, I want to mention it's kind of interesting that all these results, came from 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 experiments that have been open now we have a situation where a tremendous number of relevant experiments are being done in situations that are closed uh, I've been to some presentation uh, by uh, officials from or, or scientists from Google, and heard where they hinted, and from uh, from uh, Microsoft they hinted of what experiments they do. They don't publish them; they use them in order to improve their uh, their. Uh, methods of, of retrieving relevant answers, so what we have is we have a whole, whole number of experiments that are not published and are not public. Now this is the same thing like like in the pharmaceutical industry they do the same thing. Okay here we come uh, to the last slide before the, a few pictures. In conclusion and that is the end to uh, our presentation, information technology and information systems will change dramatically. They will change even in the short run and in in, in totally unforeseeable directions. We can't predict what is going to go on even in the short run. However, relevance is here to stay and relevance is here to stay for a long, long time if not even forever. In the next few pictures I will show you that relevance has many faces, not only scientific articles and objects that we have been discussed so far, here is, and I'm on slide 28, a uh, different technology that is used for transportation of relevant answers and this is a mobile camel library in Kenya and here are a set of users. That uh, look at what is relevant to them eagerly in, uh, from that mobile um, camel library. And here is an unusual relevant service that uh, libraries are increasingly using. Uh, for instance, the San Diego Public Library has uh, therapy docs uh, that help uh, people with reading, and uh, they are trained to do that. And here is a picture of the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, where therapy dogs are helping students to use the library, and they are becoming—they have become very, very popular. And then we have a uh, very different kind of a lending from library at public libraries. The San Francisco library has a seed library. Where uh, you borrow seeds, you grow seeds, and then uh, at the end of the fall you return back the seeds. And here are some examples of the seed library. And you we are on slide thirty-six, by the way. So now we are slide where I say thank you. And this is a picture of Sandy Hirsch, uh, who is the dean. She is the dean and good friend at the School of Library and Information Science in San Jose and she is actually the one that first invited me to uh, to this uh, colloquium. And thanks, thanks Sandra, thanks everybody. Hvala is a term in my own language, Croatian, and it means thank you. And if you put this whole presentation in world, you will get this kind of representation. So let us go to the first slide, which, uh, where you have both the address and the, uh, URL, and I'm open for questions. Uh, thank you very
0: much, Tefco, for, for a fascinating uh, survey of, of relevance and its historical development. I, I want to especially point out how much I own, my own appreciation is for a presenter who focuses his material on core questions and answers those questions as part of the, the presentation rather than simply um, sharing a narrative with us. Um, I would like to uh, open the floor and for people who would like to um, ask a question.
1: Um, my question relates to experimental settings. Um, and if uh, individual differences um, have such a profound impact on relevance judgments that agreement can be as low as 30%, I was wondering if that impacts um, the representativeness of findings when a single uh, judge is used to uh, assess relevance. Well, you put your finger on the key controversy <laughs> in information retrieval. In my opinion, it does. And um, there have been experiments, and I, I wrote an article once about it. So, I, I now, over the years, when the first question, when the first time it was asked, the, the question was raised since uh, people are, are inconsistent and have individual differences, how does this affect the, the test results? and uh over the years, there have been only eight tests, eight experiments done and uh basically, what the experiments came up with is that uh yes, there are differences, but the ranking of of uh, information retrieval systems will remain stable and the same, so it doesn't matter uh it's Inconclusive, I looked at these experiments with great, great, uh, in great detail and came up as inconclusive, but it seems that that's that, that uh, they accept the information theory community, particularly in computer science, it accepts the facts, oh, it doesn't matter. So uh, it's, well, it does matter, it's accepted that as if it doesn't matter. Okay, thank you. That's, that's good to know, um, I guess, where it stands. Okay, thanks, Teresa. Good question.
0: We really do need to uh, wrap up our hour-long uh, colloquial presentation so that we are consistent with our other presentations, but I want to invite people to stay on after we close the recording and um, and uh, interact with TEFCO as long as, as uh, we need to. There are a number of other points that have come up in chat that just seem to have flooded. So I'm not sure if uh, those are technical questions or if those are um, content questions, but we'll deal with them as soon as we're offline. So Randy, if you wouldn't mind uh, uh, stopping us shortly. Uh, Dr. Sarasavec, thank you very much for spending time with us today. And uh, again, on behalf of the faculty, thank you so much for um, for bringing our, uh, bringing your uh, presentation on relevance and information science to us. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Mm